As Brother Nate mentioned, tonight we're going to consider another scene from our Miracles of Jesus series, which we've been studying on Sunday evenings for the past several weeks. The miracle that we want to consider tonight is Jesus' healing of a blind man named Bartimaeus. His story is found in three of the Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And so why don't we go ahead and read those three accounts before we take a closer look. Matthew's account is found in chapter 20, verses 29 through 34. Matthew writes, And as they went out of Jericho, a great crowd followed him. And behold, there were two blind men sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd rebuked them, telling them to be silent. But they cried out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And stopping, Jesus called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, let our eyes be opened. And Jesus in pity touched their eyes, and immediately they recovered their sight and followed him. Mark's account is found in chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. Mark writes, And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. And then finally, Luke's account is found in chapter 18, verses 35 through 43. Luke writes, As he drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging, and hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, What do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. Now, ordinarily, I wouldn't have read all three of those accounts since they are uh, so similar. Um, But I wanted to point out, uh, as you may have noticed, that there are some slight differences in these accounts. And we'll discuss these as we uh, go. For the most part, uh, we'll be focusing on Mark's account in Mark, the 10th chapter. Jesus and his disciples are making their way toward Jerusalem, according to verse 32 there. And, of course, we know what would happen once he reached Jerusalem Uh, that last week of his life on earth. And so this is actually the last healing miracle that's described in the Gospel of Mark. Mark reports that the miracle occurred on the way out of Jericho, according to verse 46 there, and Matthew agrees with that. Luke, however, says that it occurred on the way to Jericho. Now I've read a couple of possible explanations of this seeming contradiction, if you want to uh, call it that. I'm sorry, I didn't forward my slides there as I was going. Um, One is that there were two Jerichos, two cities named Jericho, or two Jerichos at the time 
uh, of Jesus. There was the old Jericho from the days of Joshua, and it was mostly abandoned. And then there was the new Jericho, which was built by Herod the Great. It was a very beautiful city uh, just a couple of miles uh, down the road. In fact, I understand that even today, ruins of an ancient Jericho still stand alongside the, the modern city. And so it may be that the miracle occurred as Jesus was leaving one Jericho and heading to or into another. Another possibility is that there were actually two cases of healing a blind man. One is Jesus entered Jericho uh, in Luke 18, and then another as he left Jericho in Matthew and Mark's account. Well, it's true that Luke never identifies uh, his blind man by name, and so it's not certain, I suppose, that Luke's version is, is talking about Bartimaeus, but the stories are, are very similar, as we said. So it's hard to imagine that, that they're not one and the same. Regardless of, of the reasoning behind the, the slight differences here of location or, or at least direction that they were headed in or out of Jericho, I think it would be a shame to, to miss the whole point, to miss the whole lesson in this miracle because we got hung up on a, a possible contradiction in the details. And certainly what an even greater tragedy it is for those who, who try to use uh, supposed contradictions such as this to discount the Bible as a whole. Can you imagine standing before God in judgment and saying, but God, I didn't think your word was real because when Jesus healed Bartimaeus, Luke said Jesus was going to Jericho and Mark said he was going out. Again, um, that's certainly straining at a gnat. Moving on though, Jesus and his disciples are accompanied by a great crowd of, of people as they travel along. This multitude was likely even greater because it was the time that, that many Jews were on their way to Jerusalem to observe the Passover. And so you can imagine them gathering around Jesus as they travel along. And along the way, they approach or they pass a man who is sitting by the way, begging, begging because he is blind. Now, once again, we find here another uh, possible contradiction. Matthew says that there were actually two blind men, but Mark and Luke only mention one. And so once again, we have a, a seeming contradiction that, that doubters try to point to. In this case, though, I think we can simply explain that Mark and Luke did not say that there were not two blind men. They just chose to focus on one of them, Luke says a certain blind man, and Mark, of course, identifies him by name, Bartimaeus. Let me illustrate it this way. Um, I have two daughters, but suppose someone were to ask me, do you have a daughter? And I say, yes. Did I lie? Because technically I have two daughters? Well, of course not. And so saying that there was a blind man doesn't exclude the possibility that there could have been another one as well, or two blind men. Regardless, we know that there was at least one blind man, and his name was Bartimaeus, which Mark tells us means the son of Timaeus. I'm not sure if Mark expected his readers to know who Timaeus was or not, but it's interesting that he adds this detail. I also found it interesting to read just how common blindness was uh, at that time and in that region. Apparently, diseases of the eye were, were very common, especially among children. Um, the wind would, would sweep through ash heaps and fill the air with a fine dust, I'm told. And that's not to mention grains of sand being 
blown across the, the dry desert lands. And so whether it's from disease or whether it's from the elements, um, again, there were, were lots of cases of, of blindness in that day and time in that region. And we don't know the cause of Bartimaeus's blindness. We don't know um, if he was blind from birth or if it was something that, that came uh, during his life. But obviously it must have tormented him. Because very likely with blindness also came unemployment and great poverty. All he could do was sit by the road begging. Needless to say, he would do anything to receive his sight. And so learning that Jesus of Nazareth was walking by, Bartimaeus began to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Obviously, Jesus' reputation had preceded him. Bartimaeus had somehow heard of, of Jesus. <clears throat> Maybe he had even <clears throat> excuse me, heard of Jesus' miracles. Maybe he had even heard that Jesus had given sight to those who were blind. But how was he going to get Jesus' attention, especially in this great crowd? Well, Mark says that he cries out. And I understand that that word that's used there means a, a loud screaming or anguish. Uh, in fact, one commentator noted that it's the same word that's used for a woman's cries during childbirth. And so I think that just goes to show how intense and, and how uh, loud this man's cries were. But it wasn't just the volume, I don't believe, of his cries that likely caught Jesus' attention. Bartimaeus refers to Jesus as son of David. Now, in a generic sense, all Jews believed that David was their father. And so all Jews, if you will, were sons or daughters of David. But, but it's pretty obvious that Bartimaeus uh, doesn't view Jesus just as any Jew. In fact, the title Son of David had a very special meaning uh, in reference to the long-awaited Messiah. By using this title, Bartimaeus was proclaiming his faith in Jesus as the Redeemer of Israel. Certainly that took a faith that, at least at this point, was, was still sadly all too uncommon. In fact, Mark says that many in the crowd rebuked him, told him to hold his peace, or as we might just say, be quiet. And we don't know exactly the reason for their criticism of Bartimaeus. Maybe they just viewed beggars as a nuisance anyway. And so any beggar who was... Uh, causing or uh, calling attention to himself, they might think was a, a nuisance. Perhaps they didn't think that he was worthy of, of Jesus's time. Remember when the disciples scolded parents for, for bothering Jesus, so to speak, with, with their children? Again, it didn't seem like they thought uh, these, these children were worth Jesus's time. And perhaps uh, those in the crowd felt the same about um, Bartimaeus. Or maybe it was this title that Bartimaeus was screaming so loudly that made them uncomfortable because to announce Jesus and to verify or to uh, just flat out boldly proclaim and so loudly, as we said, that Jesus was the Messiah, of course, that might make some of the Jewish leaders angry. And you can, you can see how some of the crowd might, might feel uncomfortable about that. Well, I think there's a lesson in that for us. Certainly, it should never be said of us that, that we prevented someone from coming to Jesus. And of course, we probably would never do that intentionally, but 
Sometimes our actions might stand in the way. If by our influence or maybe by our hypocrisy, someone decides that they don't want any part of the Christian life, then certainly that's tragic for them, but it's tragic for us as well. Well, thankfully, the crowd's rebuke did not have an effect on Bartimaeus. Mark says that the more they scolded him, the more and, and possibly the louder he cried, Son of David, have mercy on me. And it worked. He got Jesus' attention. Over the crowds and the noise, Jesus heard him. And I love how all three gospel writers put it. They say, Jesus stopped and stood still. There's a song there, someone that's just waiting for somebody to write it, when Jesus stood still. But here's the Son of God with a mission to go to Jerusalem and to save the world, and yet he takes the time to stop what he's doing and to help this poor blind beggar. But, of course, that shouldn't surprise us. How often did Jesus demonstrate compassion for uh, what he called the least of these? He made time for the children, as we mentioned. He stopped to see the woman with the issue of blood uh, who touched him. He healed the lame and the blind and those with leprosy and, and those possessed by demons. I love how one writer put it. He said, Bartimaeus was not a speed bump in the road. He was the road. He was the reason Jesus had come. And so, yes, Jesus stood still. And he commanded for Bartimaeus to, to be called. Now, ironically, those in the crowd, perhaps different ones in the crowd, but, but the crowd at least now seems to have changed their tune. And now they encourage Bartimaeus. They say, take heart. Be of good cheer. Get up. He's calling you. And then Mark adds a small detail that I, I think is worth noting. He says that Bartimaeus threw off his outer garment or his cloak or his coat and he sprang up and he came to Jesus. Now, I'm not exactly sure how he found Jesus being blind. Maybe someone led him to Jesus. Maybe he felt his way or followed Jesus' voice. But the point I want to make there is the, point, the uh, fact that he dropped his cloak. Obviously, he was ready to respond to Jesus' call, but remember, this man is a beggar. And as such, during that time, his coat may have been the most valuable thing in his possession. It's what kept him warm at night. Maybe it was what he spread out on the ground for people to, to toss their donations into. And being blind, he, he couldn't know that he would ever see that coat again or find his way back to it, but he was willing to cast it aside for this opportunity of a lifetime. And again, I think there's an important lesson in that for us as well. We too need to be willing to lay aside anything in this life that might hinder us from uh, getting to Jesus. I'm not exactly sure why he dropped his coat. Perhaps um, it helped him to, to move faster, not to be hindered by it. But again, I think there's a, a lesson that we can gain from that. Well, then Jesus asks him a, a very important question. Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? And I think it should be pointed out that Jesus asked this question not because he didn't know what Bartimaeus wanted. Brother Mike Criswell, uh, who of course wrote a commentary on, on Matthew, he put it this way in, in his commentary. He said, the question that Jesus asked, that is, the question is not for information's sake. He who can plumb the depths of a man's heart can also 
read his mind. So Jesus tenderly asked this question, not because he needed to know the answer, but because he wanted Bartimaeus to answer. He wanted Bartimaeus to ask, if you will, for what he he wanted. And this is consistent, I think, with with the general teachings of, of God. God already knows our needs, but he wants us to ask him for them. James 4 and verse 2 says, you do not have because you do not ask. This question, this was not the first time that Jesus had asked this question. In fact, it reminds me a lot of God's question to Solomon. In 1 Kings chapter 3, God asked Solomon, ask what I shall give you. Of course, you remember that God was very impressed with Solomon's answer. He requested wisdom. And in return, God gave him not only wisdom and knowledge, but also riches and and peace in his kingdom and and a long life. But Jesus himself had also asked this question. In fact, not very long before he asked it of Bartimaeus. There in Mark 10, just a few verses earlier, his disciples, James and John, sons of Zebedee, had come to Jesus saying, Teacher, we want to ask a favor. And Jesus' response in Mark 10 and verse 36 should sound very familiar. In fact, it's word for word. He asked James and John, what do you want me to do for you? Now, unfortunately, James and John's response was was not so impressive. Notice there in verses 37 through 40. It says, and they said to him, grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. Jesus said to them, you do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, we are able. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And it goes on to say there that the other disciples were, were not too happy with James and John for their request either. Well, Luckily for Bartimaeus, when Jesus asks him again this exact same question in verse 51, his response must have been a little bit more impressive to Jesus. He replies in verse um, 51 and 52, he says, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. By the way, that's from the the, uh, English Standard Version. Other versions uh, have Bartimaeus actually referring to Jesus as Rabboni and what I understand, that is just a stronger form of rabbi. In fact, Rabboni is the same word that Mary used at the tomb. Remember, at first she didn't recognize Jesus, um, but then when he said to her, Mary says that she turned around, she immediately recognized him, and she said, Rabboni. That's not only a a term of endearment, it's also a term of, of very personal faith, and also of humble submission. In essence, it says, my Lord, my master, my teacher. And so for Bartimaeus, it had now become personal. First, he uh, replied or he uh, referred to Jesus as son of David, the Messiah that is to come, the one that Israel has been looking for. But now he uses this very personal phrase, Rabboni, to the one who's standing before him and asking him what he wants to be done for him. And so he cries out, I want to see, I want my sight. 
In humble faith, Bartimaeus asked not for wealth or power or success, but only for sight. And contrast that to, to the response that James and John had given Jesus. They wanted honor and glory. Poor blind Bartimaeus, he just wanted to be normal. I love how one writer put it. He said, Bartimaeus didn't ask to be superhuman, but simply to be human. He went on to say, um, being normal may seem like the bare minimum for those of us who are well, but for those who are sick, just being normal can be God's greatest gift. And so that's what Bartimaeus wanted. That's what he asked for. And Jesus' response in Mark, 50, Mark 10 and 52 was, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight. There's one last claim of, of contradiction uh, here. Matthew's account says that Jesus touched the eyes of the blind men. Remember, Matthew is the one that, that said there were actually two men. So Matthew says that Jesus touched their eyes and they recovered their sight. Mark and Luke don't mention a touch, just the words of Jesus. Your faith has made you well. Again, some point to this and, and claim that there's a contradiction. I, I don't see a problem here. Why, why can't both be true? Why couldn't Jesus both touch and speak and immediately Bartimaeus uh, receive his sight? Once again, we, we don't need to miss the forest for the trees. Whether there was a touch or no touch, it was clearly a miracle. Well, then the closing scene on this story, as the camera fades, uh, if you will, is, is very beautiful. It says, as Bartimaeus received his sight from Jesus, that he followed him. Mark adds that he followed Jesus in the way, Mark 10 and 52. And I'm not exactly sure what's meant by the way here. It could simply mean that, that he joined the crowd and he followed Jesus down the road, the way to Jerusalem, uh, if you will. But if you'll remember that phrase, the way, that also came to be a sort of an alias for the early church. In Acts 9 and verse 2, Acts 19 and verse 9, Acts 19 and verse 23, and, and perhaps other verses, uh, that phrase, the way, simply means the Christian faith. As I said, the, the New Testament church. And so perhaps Bartimaeus did uh, not only follow Jesus down the road to or toward Jerusalem, but perhaps he did become and remain a faithful follower, a, a New Testament Christian. Certainly he had an amazing story to share with others about what Jesus had done for him. And with that, the opportunity to bring others to Christ as well. At least for now, Luke's account hints that, that some did believe because of him. Luke 18 and 43 says, Immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God, and all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. And so at least Bartimaeus' actions brought God glory. Well, before we close, allow me to point out just a few more lessons that I think we can uh, learn from Bartimaeus. First of all, Bartimaeus displayed great persistence. Despite the efforts of others, you remember, to silence him, he quite literally demonstrated the truth of what Jesus taught about persistence in Matthew 7, verses 7 and 8, when he said, Ask, and it will be given to you, Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. We need to learn to be 
just as persistent in our prayers. Remember, Jesus told the parable of the persistent widow in, in Luke 18. And the purpose of that parable, I believe, well, in fact, according to verse 1 there of Luke 18, was to encourage us always to pray and not lose heart. And so we can learn from Bartimaeus's persistence. Also, we can certainly learn from Bartimaeus's faith. In fact, Jesus said that he was healed because of his faith. Just like the woman who was healed of her flow of blood in Mark 5, Jesus said that their faith made them well. Do we have faith to receive what is God's will for us? 1 John 5 and 14 says, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And of course, faith is more than just sitting back and asking. True faith involves action. As we said, when Mark first introduces us to Bartimaeus in, in Mark 10 and 46, it says that he was sitting by the road begging. But his saving faith forced him to get up, to leave his possessions behind, to come to Jesus, and to follow him. And then finally, uh, I believe we can learn from Bartimaeus's gratitude. Again, he followed Jesus. He glorified God. Like that one Samaritan leper in Luke 17, unlike the nine, but the one who came back to Jesus and expressed his gratitude. But are we more like the nine who sometimes forget to express our gratitude for the many blessings that God gives us?